As I started to kind of go into my own personal development, you know, that's another side of restorative. It was bridging that mind-body connection and the emotional component to healing and how sometimes physically we'll get stagnant and, and we'll, you know, get 80% better, but then there's a bit of a mindset that has to come with it for healing. So. Hello and welcome again to another episode of One Starfish, where our mission is to change the world one starfish or one person at a time. I'm really excited for our guest today. Um, guys, you'll want to share this. Make sure to share, review, you know, rate all the stuff, get the word out um, so we can grow organically. And I'm really excited for our guest today. Gina is a good friend of mine. She has an amazing uh, clinic in Okotoks, Alberta. You might have to Google that if you're, you know, anywhere else. Um, but really cool little place in Okotoks. And she started it called Restorative. It's built six years ago out of the basement of her house. She's been in physiotherapy for over 18 years, has two beautiful daughters, awesome husband, all this, you know, all this stuff, um, but really building a business to, I'll let her touch on that. <laughs> Thanks for coming to the show, Gina. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Super awesome. excited. Well, let's get into right away. What's the purpose of restorative? Because I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> so it's different than a normal physiotherapy clinic. Yeah, for sure. So restorative sports therapy was created out of a mom who needed to bridge her passion with being available to her children. So I've worked at busy sports clinics um, at that time for 13 years. I was traveling every morning into downtown. I had um, my first baby and um, was realizing that the hustle of five days a week into downtown really wasn't serving um, me and motherhood. Um, so I backed off to three times a week. And at that time, I, I was working in a, in a bit of a poor culture for uh, an individual who um, was more about the numbers versus the people. And so restorative actually just kind of happened organically when uh, one day I received a comment from uh, the person I was working for. And he told me that I was the weakest link on the team because I could only be there for three days a week. And, and for me, I was just like, wow, I'm really trying to find this bridge between being a mom, but yet still very connected to my passion of serving people. Mm. And so you know, I just kind of thought, okay, how can I, how can I, I bridge this a little bit better? And then one of my friends who is a personal trainer out in Okotoks asked me to see one of her clients. And I was like, ah, I don't know, I, you know, it's out of my house. I talked to Derek. How do we feel about people coming in our house? Um, then I decided to go for it. And, uh, there was born restorative. Um, and at first I, I felt odd about it. I thought, you know, this doesn't really seem too professional. I'm used to being in a clinic all the time. But what came out of it beautifully was connection. And I was shifting in into that in my practice of not just seeing uh, a broken ankle, I was starting to see people hmm. as I was, uh, you know, getting older and wiser. And so creating space, um, longer appointment visits, 
uh, private care out of my basement turned into this really beautiful practice of being able to really see and hear people. Um, so that's kind of how restorative was born was me leaving a poor culture, trying to find a bridge between being a mom and a health professional and doing something that I really was in love with and couldn't imagine giving up. Um, and then getting to this really bigger purpose of building connection between people that, um, they don't really teach you in physiotherapy school. They, they were so busy learning about the physical body that um, we spend no time on the the mental emotional component of healing and wellness. And as I started to kind of go into my own personal development, um, you know, that's another side of restorative. It was bridging that mind body connection and the emotional component to healing and mm. how sometimes physically we'll get stagnant and, and we'll, you know, get 80% better, but then there's a bit of a mindset that has to come with it for healing. So that's how restorative was. And then, you know, that one visit turned into 10 a week and 10 turned into 20 and 20 turned into 30 patient visits a week. And then my husband's carpenter. And I said to Derek, do you think that we could build an accessory building on our bill on our acreage? And here we did. And so we went from um, myself and two of my friends who were massage therapists working out of my basement to three years later, now a team of 13. So freaking cool. Um, <laughs> it just <laughs> makes me laugh about that guy at the old place. Like anyway, um, mm -hmm. yeah, through the pain is where you started to actually find your real true calling. Um, totally. Which is so cool. And I think that that's a lot of times is we, that's where we find our true calling is through the the struggles that we hit. So what are some things that, you know, as you, as you started to build this out of your home and all this stuff, what are some struggles that you or challenges or however you want to word it, um, you went through at the beginning, building this, you know, building your business um, that, you know, maybe someone can benefit from that's out there and they're like, I want to start my own business or they're already starting their own business. And what are some of the things that would have made things maybe easier for you if there was anything? Um, you know, I was, I feel like I've been really, really grateful because of the support that I've had in creating this business, um, and a shared vision between me and my husband, um, of what that looks like, probably a little bit more of the self-development at that part to, um, be okay with being a full-time working mom mm -hmm. and hearing, comments from other moms being like, well, you know, I could never do that because my ba my babies are too important. And it's like, mm. it strikes a chord because you're like, well, my babies are important too. Um, so I think, I think what would have helped me more is being a little bit more confident in my why and my mm. understanding. Um, but truthfully, I mean, my husband is one of the reasons why this has even happened because you need that partnership of 50% um, in order to make it work. I think the other thing that really would have helped me is knowing the back end of business, but I wasn't expecting to go from three people to 13 within three years. So I knew I was doing something right culturally because I just kept on getting a lot of people asking to work with restorative and with myself, um, 
I basically was taking everything that I didn't like from my previous jobs as far as leadership. And I was putting it into this part of my business, but I didn't know what that was. Um, I just knew it was a feeling and the feeling that I wanted to create for people to come to work. Um, So now that I'm refining my business and have a business coach and I'm looking at the policies and procedures and systemizing and refining culture and mission and vision, um, probably if I would have had a little bit more education on that, there would be less headaches or less of me going home going, what, like, what am I doing? I like, I have no right to do this. Um, so probably the confidence part of it. Uh, but then, and things happen for a reason. And at the end of the day, this was the path that I was supposed to take. And so you can be prepared as you want and yeah. think that you have everything in place, but really it's going through the process and having enough um, knowledge to, to sit in reflection to say, is am I on track? Am I still operating within my core values? Does this still work for my family? So mm-hmm. I think, yes, I think you can wait too long. And a lot, like when you talk about like, you didn't know some of the things to do, but if you had waited until you knew the things to do, you wouldn't be where you're at. So yeah. sometimes you just have to make a mess um, to share your message. But you touched on something that I want to go back to. So you know, because I think this is this will resound with a lot of women um, that have kids because I've heard this. I don't have kids, so I haven't had it, but I've heard it. Um, the whole like, oh, you know, my kids are a little are a little bit and I just can't like take time away. That mom guilt. Um, yeah. What are some tips or what are your thoughts on that? And like, mm-hmm. how can you help some moms that are out there? Because I do know a lot that struggle with this. Um, what are some thoughts that you have that would help them like, you know, build something for their family as opposed to thinking it's taking away from their family? Yeah, for sure. Um, build your community. So surround yourself with other people who really appreciate, um, what you're trying to do. Um, always come back to what feels right in you and your heart. And at the at the end of the day, your kids don't need necessarily more time with you. They need quality time with you. Mm. So you can be a stay-at-home mom and be checked out, just as you can be a working mom and be checked out. Mm-hmm. Or you can be a stay-at-home mom and you make that 20 minutes of coloring really purposeful. Me, when I get home, I can make 20 minutes of playtime with my kids very purposeful. And you know, it's all how you start the day and end the day. So start the day filling their love buckets end the day filling their love buckets. And so again, building this community of other working moms who are saying, this is what I do. This is what's helped me. And then coming back to the place that usually people are projecting or saying or making comments mm. based on um stuff that's within them. So I really yes. had to learn to have the awareness to be like, oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, they they might need to be have self-reflection on that. And it's not about me. It's mm-hmm. actually about them and how they see themselves and what they see they could do. So it's really coming from a place of maybe what is that comment being from their lens and their perspective, not necessarily 
your perspective. But I honestly think as long as those mums are coming back every single day to their heart center and being like, am I, am I doing the best that I can with the tools that I have? Am I continually showing up with my children? Am I having purposeful connection with my kids? Man, that's, I, and then, and then my, my girls get to see a strong working mom and they also get to see a dad that is a hundred percent committed into that relationship as well. Um, but it really does Ange, take a community. And I think we've gotten so far away from that, mm-hmm. um, asking for support. And that, that was really hard for me to ask for support because I should be able to do it all. And you can't. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would probably say to those moms is build a community that is really invested in, in supporting other women with where they're at with no judgment. And especially like listening to that too, like for a lot of women, I know they aren't in supportive relationships or there aren't in any relationships. Um, I, we like to call them now independent women. One of my friends called herself that I was like, that's good. Instead of a single mom, it's an independent mother. Um, that I was like, that is so cool. And so I think, especially in those cases, really surrounding yourself with people, you don't need it. I don't believe you need a spouse. It helps if they're supportive for sure, Mm -hmm. but you don't need it to raise your kids. There's other, you know, I see women working with women and like friends and whatever else. And, um, yeah, I think that that's really good to reach out. And another thing that I want people to really pay attention to what Dina said is people say this stuff and it's a reflection of them, not a reflection of you. So mm-hmm. really pay attention when someone says something kind of like, like that, like, Hey, don't you care about your family? I know I've got comments like that. Like you don't take any time off. Don't you care about your family? I'm like, Whoa, it's a reflection of them. Not necessarily a reflection of you. If there is a hint of truth in it, then maybe you aren't being present when you should be present, which I sometimes am not when I could be then like learn from it. But, um, yeah, I think that's, really important. And then stepping into your why, like really figuring out why you're doing what you're doing. And that's something you've done quite, quite a bit of Gina, as far as like really stepping into what you're doing. Um, when you got into physiotherapy 18 years ago, what got you into it? Backing way up. <laughs> oh, you know, and I just thought it was a, such a cool profession. Um, I tore my ACL playing a uh, com- really competitive high level basketball. Um, and I had a really awesome physio. Um, I was really poor in school. I didn't have connection with teachers in high school that really empowered or encouraged me to see the light within myself. Mm-hmm. And so I barely graduated high school. Um, and today's standards, I wouldn't even probably get into university. Um, got into university. I took my first anatomy course and I was like, oh my God, I love this. And then anatomy turned into all of the other, you know, subsequent courses that would be, uh, used for, um, kind of like prerequisites for physiotherapy. But back then you could go into physiotherapy right out of after high school, but I had no courses for that or no grades for that. So I worked really hard in my first undergrad. And then I came out as a kinesiologist with an under, um, with a minor in neuroscience, because I was really interested in psychology as well. And I worked as a personal trainer and a physio assistant for a year. And, um, I thought, well, I don't want to fold towels anymore. So maybe I should apply for physio school. And I 
by the grace of God, got in. And um, honestly, it's just so rewarding. And, and this year, I've been really trying to reflect on my why to help guide my business and to help guide my purpose. And and I think it comes down to end just changing people's lives and giving people knowledge, empowerment, education on their body, how to use it, how to move it, to deconstruct societal messages of what they should be um, to what they want to be. Um, so that was the reason. Yeah. So the reason why I chose physiotherapy, I honestly, I just thought it was a cool profession and <laughs> I loved what I learned. And throughout that process, when you love what you learn, mm-hmm. you get good marks. And so all and of a sudden you got good marks. <laughs> And this is like to all the kids out there, you know, they have so high stress right now of meeting those high academic standards. And we can mm-hmm. talk about academic inflation. Um, they they are so stressed and have so much anxiety about this. Mm-hmm. And I wish the system would change because, again, at, to, according to today's, today's standards, I wouldn't have gotten into university. Um so when you are put into a place where you love what you learn, you have incredible, I have two teachers that changed my life in university. They saw potential that no one had ever said, and they expected more from me. And here I did, I stepped into an academic person that I didn't even think that I was. Mm. Um, and then went on to go into physio school, which I never would have thought that I would have been able to get in. But um Really, the reason why I picked it was just I loved sports. I loved the body. I loved studying it. Um, yeah, and, and I still do. I couldn't imagine not being in a clinical practice. And as I grow my business and I start learning about the back end and leadership and management and marketing, um, it's great. But still, the minute that I'm one on one with my clients is is my jam. Love it. So tell us a little bit of how what you're doing right now is different than the traditional physiotherapy and where you're you're wanting this to help people. Yeah. So uh, restorative, I feel, is uh, moving away from the traditional sense of um, and I've worked in those clinics and I understand the business model of those clinics of why people are being um, there's a patient every 15 minutes. and I understand why it existed and now I understand why it doesn't exist for me anymore and it comes back down to that connection piece and when I was working downtown I really an aha moment was for me was like oh my god like most of these injuries or these tensions or what is happening is manifested through stress of these our daily lives and so I started to really kind of look into that and talk to my patients about de-stressing um and then restorative is based a lot on that. So health plus mindset equals results. Um, so I I feel like us bridging the mental, emotional component to healing is what separates us from traditional physiotherapy clinics. So we see people privately one-on-one for 30 to 60 minutes We are not rushing from that patient to go and check out another patient because in these busy clinics, you'll put someone on heat, you'll go see another person, then you'll show an exercise and then you you dance around about four people within an hour. And with here, you are 
you're our focus. There's no one for us to leave and go to. There's no one. It's just you. So I think that's different from the traditional model. The second is um, one of our primary questions is how much stress do you have in your life and how are you mitigating stress? And and we teach tools on that. We offer classes such as yin yoga um, uh, so people can activate that parasympathetic system that they might normally might normally do because we're all vibrating on a really high level usually throughout our day um so i feel like we're bridging that mental emotional component for a general public and in the sports high sports level it's already there all these they have access to sports psychologists all the things and we don't necessarily do that in these clinics for general public. And I would love that to be normalized for our patient population. So one of my goals with restorative is to have a psychologist on board with us that um, it's very normalized and it's worked into part of your treatment plan that there is this mindset component to health that we really need to kind of um, work into. And there's no stigma about it. It's just giving you tools so you can live your best life. Yeah, that's really cool. So where do you see it going in the next, what's your vision for the next five to 10 years? Uh, I hate, I, I get really nervous on saying this because then it's like, I've, I've, it's, it's putting it out there in the universe. Um, I, I would like to be one of the leading healthcare facilities in preventative care. And I, and in doing so, I hope to ease the burden of our public healthcare system. So if we can give the tools to people to never reach crisis, because our healthcare system is very good in treating people with crisis. Right. Um, and that's what it's there for. But when we think of a preventative lens and we think about teaching people about movement quality, um, quantity, uh, nutrition, foundational nutrition, we talk about foundational mindset, we can give people the tools to maybe prevent them from ever reaching crisis. And then we can offset the burden of our healthcare system because in the musculoskeletal world, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of burden on the healthcare system because of the messages that we've received throughout our life. Maybe it's, you know, no pain, no gain. You're not doing enough work harder. And so we get all these repetitive strain injuries, um, that that either cause surgery or rotator cuff tears, whatever it is, when mm-hmm. and when people realize that they can do less better, um, you know, that really offsets what we're actually putting through the public system. That makes sense. That's really awesome. Yeah. Um, so in wrapping up, and I know we could go forever, but we keep these short and sweet. Normally I have a short attention span, <laughs> but you know, definitely listeners, I don't know where you're at, but definitely reach out to Gina, if you have any questions, where's the best place that they can find you? And we'll have all these links in the show notes. Yeah. You know what? Our, our most frequented places um, that you'll find current up-to-date news is on our website. Uh, so restorative sports therapy.com. And then secondly um, on Instagram. So at restorative sports therapy.com. And then just to, to plug one more thing, when we talk about preventative healthcare and grassroots that would come into our um, 
during COVID, we noticed a lot of kids that just weren't moving and weren't having movement opportunities. So we created a sports camp called Can't Move Your Mood, where we bridge movement literacy with mindset for youth ages five to 11. And so that's our grassroots kind of program of planting the seeds at a young age of um, all the good stuff that kids need to know. Oh, that's so cool. I love it. All right. So wrapping up, we have three final questions. I always ask, and then anything we didn't touch on that you think our listeners need to, you know, pay attention to or know. Um, First final question is if someone's looking for their purpose, what's one word or sentence that you would use to help them find it? Oh, um, I always, always like to find what lights you up. So what really lights the fire within you, your passion and then I don't, I don't know where this is from, but it's going seven layers deep and asking yourself why that mm. seven times. So you can really get to the core root of, of what it is that you want to do. I love that. Um, mm. Now I'm sure you have more than one, but what's your favorite quote and why? Mm. Um, probably my favorite quote is everything that you are going through is preparing you for what you've always asked for. So we always sometimes focus on the friction and the hard times, Mm -hmm. but it's like you said, those moments, everything that you're going through in this moment is part of the process. That's eventually going to get you what you've always asked for. Love that. And last final question, what's one word or sentence you want in your gravestone? Mm, I thought about this ever since listening to your podcast. I was like, oh, <laughs> what is this? Um, you know what? It would probably be grateful. Mm. Mm-hmm. I really want all of the people in my life to have that sense that I am incredibly grateful for them. Mm, that's good. And all right. So you run into someone at the coffee shop and they're like, Gina, that was awesome. You know, I want to prevent, hopefully prevent injuries from happening and and be, you know, um, proactive on some of this stuff. What's something, you know, and I want to start my own business or whatever they kind of say, what's something we didn't touch on that you just think is, you know, we really need to leave our listeners with? Mm, uh, Personal development. The more you can invest in yourself and the more you can come back to, um, again, that heart center personal development, um, explore, explore your why and get to know you. Yeah, for sure. That's the number one thing is keep working on yourself. Keep asking questions, keep sitting in self-reflection, keep cultivating awareness. Um, and then as my business coach says, I think she got it from Tony Robbins, um, clarity equals execution. So the more clear you can get on what you want to do, the easier it is for you to execute. I love it. So awesome. Thank you so much. Guys, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, share. Let's go out there. Let's change one life or one starfish at a time. If we change one starfish at a time together, we can change the world. Thanks for being on, Gina. Thanks, Ange.